Hey guys, welcome back. As some of you know, I ended up in Wisconsin for my annual whitetail hunt with the family. It was a great time. Came back with some venison. And today's episode, we're going to talk about e-scouting and how I used maps to put ourselves in the right position on public land to get the job done. This is the Beyond Hunter Ed podcast, where the focus is on all the questions you wish were answered in the classroom and quite a few more. So whether you're an accomplished lifer or a complete newbie, and you're looking to discuss all topics hunting in an entertaining and unfiltered way, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Eric Jaitner. All right, before we dive into this, I want to bring up the leading news story from Wisconsin right now, since that where was where I was hunting. Apparently, there was a bull elk shot from the Columbia County, Wisconsin herd on opening day of the gun deer season. I'm going to leave it right there. We all know that this isn't supposed to be happening. It was an unfortunate event, and it looks bad on all hunters. I'm positive this was not on purpose i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he just really lost control but what i am going to say is we preach about this in hunter ed all the time we have to be sure of our target you can't let brush get in the way if you can't identify that animal 100 percent, don't take the shot and i understand in wisconsin i'm sure he was hunting in an area where he had a doe tag and a buck tag so really what he saw was an animal that looked like a deer and he thought he had anything was open and for a long time in wisconsin that was the case but in this case that wasn't the case he ended up shooting an elk so really just reinforces you got to know what you're going into before you get there and you got to be able to fully identify that animal before you shoot we're just going to leave it there in no way do i think this was a good thing but I'm also not going to jump all over the guy and say how horrible of a human being he is because I really don't think that's the case. I think it probably was a case of an honest mistake. And God knows I've made my fair share of mistakes in my life. And I'm probably not going to stop doing it anytime soon. So with that said, let's dive into e-scouting though. Okay, so e-scouting to me is the use of aerial maps, topographical maps, and anything you can get on the internet. So this could be field reports or different. Sometimes people will tell you things about certain areas and that's gonna really help you out. Um, especially with the West, you can really Google your state and your unit and you'll have to sift through a lot, but there's usually a lot of information on areas to try Things that have been successful in the past, um, like I said, you got to sift through it. You got to separate the wheat from the chaff here. You know, sometimes it's not great tips. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes you find a gold mine. But, you know, that's part of e-scouting. But specifically today, I'm going to look at what we were using to go into the Nicolay National Forest up in Vilas County, Wisconsin. So we're way up north in Wisconsin. Um, it's one of the units with very few 
doe tags that are issued, especially on public land, I think they only give out like 200 a year because they're actually trying to grow the herd substantially. It's, it's down, um, on this hunt. I had a great time. Um, opening morning, the first thing I remember hearing after I got into my stand was for five minutes, I heard wolves howling in the distance. They were just saying back and forth to each other. It was unbelievable. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. And it, it was an experience. That's for sure. I probably will never forget that experience. And that, you know, I know this is a side note and I'm jumping all over the place, but that's definitely one of the things I love about hunting is you see things in the woods that frankly, most people are never going to experience you, what you see and what you experience out there when you see nature, you know, as nature is, most people aren't ever going to see that. And that's something that I think we can't take that for granted. I mean, that is, that is something that really drives me to keep coming back every time. So let's get back on to what I was talking about, though, with, with maps and really stay focused here. So the big thing that I wanted to focus on, since this is Wisconsin and it's northern Wisconsin, so there's a lot of swamp country there. And this was going to be a gun hunt on public land during a relatively busy part of the season. I expected actually a lot more pressure than what we got. And I honestly do believe that we would have had a lot more opportunities had there been more pressure up there. So when I think about e-scouting in a context of a pressure scenario, what I'm looking for is one thick cover somewhere where the animals are going to feel safe and getting away from roads, and two, travel corridors. So some sort of funnel that means they have to travel through this area to get from wherever I think the pressure is going to come from to this thick cover that I think they're going to be seeking out to hide out in. And on this particular hunt, what I really keyed on was natural bridges. And when I say a natural bridge, what I'm looking at is some sort of swamp or field on one side, then a narrow bridge, maybe up to 100 meters wide, and then the same thing on the other side, okay? And it's going to be connecting big blocks of timber. Preferably, one of them is going to have good bedding covering. One of the blocks of timber will be good bedding cover. One of the blocks of timber may or may not have much for bedding cover, but is considerably closer to hunter access or something where I expect to have pressure in that zone, pushing them into the bedding cover. And if I can get out there ahead of it before anybody gets in the woods and get set up on that funnel, then as the animals start trying to move their way, especially opening morning, into the bedding cover, they're gonna have to go through that small funnel. And I'm gonna tell you that's exactly what happened on this hunt. Uh, about five minutes, 10 minutes after hearing the wolves howling, and I knew there were a few hunters in the area to the south of us, 
And I ended up having a small buck working his way from south to north, following the thickest portion of the funnel. And he was working his way towards bedding cover. And uh, about the time he got to where he had to cross the creek, it wasn't a big one. It was, you know, two feet across, maybe a foot deep. So he was just going to walk right across it and ended up getting a shot at him in about 10 yards. Um, unfortunate that it's a rifle hunt. This would have been a great way to fill a bow tag. But, you know, when you're hunting in a place like Wisconsin where it's really thick, um, I'm going to tell you most of my rifle shots in Wisconsin are I can name, I can think of maybe one that was over 30 yards. The vast majority of these shots are at real close range, mainly because the areas I'm hunting in that provide the security for the animals to feel like they can move during the daylight in a heavily hunted area like that, it's really close quarters. So they're not going to move in the open. Um, So... By the nature of that, you're just going to have them very close to you. You're going to have to be hunting right where they are, and it's it's similar to basically a bow setup. You're just doing it with a rifle. So that was the big one that I wanted to focus on was natural bridges. And I want to go into some of the details um, of what makes a good natural bridge because we ran into a few that were good and a few that weren't so good during our two days of scouting. The more narrow the bridge, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's not a good thing. Because if it's too narrow, I feel like the animals feel exposed on that bridge. It's still the only way that they can go. So if you have a really good bedding area, really good feeding area, something like that to really draw them across that bridge, it's still a good idea. But, and when I say too narrow, I mean something where you could, you could, you know, it's five, five yards across, okay, from one field to the other. So when you walk through there, you get silhouetted. You have nowhere to really hide to get across that bridge. And we did run into one of those. Um, it did look really good. I think it would be substantially better, actually, in the early season because on one side was a lot of hardwoods, um, it looked like there would be a lot more cover. It was pretty open this time of year because all the leaves were down. It, it, you could see a long way. I don't know that there was going to be a whole lot of cover for them, but this was the only way to get from point A to point B. We ultimately didn't end up hunting that bridge or the ones near it. So I can't tell you what would have come of those. Um, they did look pretty good. There was a lot of sign and the trails were following exactly where we expected them, right down the thickest part of that bridge where the animals felt safe crossing. It just turned out we found a better one that did produce for us. So that's one thing that can ruin it. If if it's just too narrow and too long of a gap that they really don't feel secure while they're moving across that. Another thing that you have to watch out for is I was talking about swamps. So there's different types of swamps. If you have a swamp that really is closer to a lake and real marshy, and especially this time of year when the snow is in and all those cattails are bashed down and there really isn't a lot of places for the animals to hide, that's like a big open field. 
they're not going to want to be in that. That there's nowhere for them to hide. However, if you have something like a tamarack swamp or something with some sort of ground cover that just puts a little bit of water but a lot of cover still in there, that's not going to really stop them from traveling that direction. Yeah, given their choice, they're going to travel on the dry ground just like you or I would. But with a ton of pressure in there, they may not because the water isn't that big of a deterrent to them, especially if it's only like knee deep on them. That's not a huge deterrent for them. And if they're literally running from person to person, they're going to go to the deepest, thickest area. And that probably is not going to be the dry ground because they know people are going to stay on the dry ground. So they're going to be in the water. So if you have that type of tamarack swamp and that's one of your sides of the bridge, you're really not creating a funnel there. And we ran into that on multiple occasions. We ultimately crossed those areas off the map. There really wasn't a lot of sign there. Um, it, it just wasn't there because, well, they weren't using that. So those are the two big things that I can think of off the top of my head that can make a natural funnel not as productive. It's going to be, it's either too narrow and they can't, they just don't feel safe in it. Or even though it's a swamp on the other side, and this is a bit of high ground. Yes, given no pressure, if they're moving from point A to point B, they will probably move over the high ground, just like you or I would. But in a scenario where there's a lot of pressure, they're going to go to the, the place they feel safest, which is going to be the water or the tamarack swamp. And it really isn't going to create the funnel that you want. So those are things to look out for. How do you find these on the map? So the biggest thing I look for is generally you look at aerial photos or topo maps and just look where the swamps are, where the uh, the white is on a topo map versus the green. And if you get a real like hourglass type shape where there's just this narrow stretch of land, that's a good place to check. If you're looking at aerial photos, this is great if you find a field and a lake and there's just a thin stretch of timber between that, that's where they're going to travel. They're not going to travel out in the field and they're not going to travel through the lake. So they have to go there. So I use both topos and aerials to find these things. And one of the things I really want to hit on is you notice we said when we looked at these areas, we had probably, I would guess, close to 10 different funnels that are these bridges that we looked at out of the 10. Some of them had everything that would make you think this is a great area. There's food, there's cover. There's just a narrow stretch here that they can really travel through. And there was nothing there for sign. Some of them turned out to actually not be as great of a funnel as we thought. We had cover on both sides or on one of the sides, which really isn't going to funnel them. And then others of them, like the one we ended up in, were perfect funnels. 
that was the perfect funnel. That one was about 80 yards across. I was able to set up on the on the downwind side of it so that my wind was blowing back over the field. So the animals really never even winded me. It was a perfect setup in, in all ways. And that's what you're looking for. Some other things to look for are going to be drainages. Um, you're going to look at inside corners, benches, saddles, anything that make travel a lot easier for animals. And then I always like to look for likely bedding. In this case, I wasn't looking so much for bedding as I was looking for travel areas to different areas of cover because I was looking for where I expected there to be pressure and where they might go to escape and what's the hopefully only way to get from point A to point B or that, that one funnel where you, you have to cross it. And that's really what you're looking for in these maps. I know this is going a little bit long and I know we really dove into the land bridges because that's what I focused on this last time. In a, in a later episode, we're gonna go into all the different land features you wanna look for, how to identify them on the map, and then we can kind of put them together for different times of year. Right now, I was looking for travel routes from cover to cover because I thought there was gonna be a lot of pressure moving the animals, and so I wanted to be in those tight areas where they felt safe moving. And that's why I focused on the land bridges. So before next time, go ahead, take a look at maps, dive into this stuff. There's a lot you can learn just by looking at maps about where the animals are going to be. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond Hunter Ed Podcast. And as always, if you have questions, please email us at questions at beyondhuntered.com or you can find us on the web at www.beyondhuntered.com